Okay, ready? Ready. Ready. Okay, three, two, one. Hello from Include Software. Welcome to the Include Podcast. We hope that you've enjoyed our previous episodes, but if this is your first time listening, we're really glad to have you here and encourage you to check out some of the others. Our team today is excited and ready to go. I'm Lisa. I'm Wendy. And I'm Miles. So today we're gonna talk about taking advantage of this opportunity that the circumstances of the world has provided for all of us. We, it's time to rethink the way we do things in our personal lives and most certainly in our businesses and all businesses are having to, to face these changes. So while your teams are working you know, you know, apart, everyone's working from home, all these changes are a really great opportunity as we see it to identify where your strengths and weaknesses are and, and reduce things. Um, this can be acknowledging things that are working great and, you know, taking the opportunity to fix some things that are broken. So, Miles, what kind of take are we, do we think to do this podcast? Um, so, we have this program, it's called the Optimization Program, and we are thinking, you know, it's like, let's just talk about how um, how some of our clients or, or users can kind of do self-diagnosis and then uh, to help them give a bit better picture of if they're using asset correctly. And if they're not, you know, they can reach out to us and we can set up some times uh, to start doing optimization training, you know, whether it's the production side or the accounting side. So I think it'd be worth just sharing some tips and what we're looking for on like a high level, you know, just to make sure that things are flowing through the system correctly. And, um, and you know, what, what are so common misuse and some things that we haven't seen or that we see that people like underuse, you know? Right. So the, the first step in the optimization process, when our clients um, who've been using the system for a while, want to take a look at how to optimize it better, have to, how to optimize asset better and use it better in their companies. Our first step is um, what we call an under the hood assessment. So when we were talking about, you know, topic for the podcast, I thought a DIY under the hood might give people some tips for what to look for um, in, in what they're doing and in, in working remotely or apart, or even, you know, just at any time to reevaluate what we're doing. So, um, so Wendy, can you talk about what an under the hood is? Well, I can only speak for the accounting side of things, of course. So when I, when I initially do my assessment, I actually go through every accounting module in the software and we touched base on different things. So I try to pull out of the client, what are they doing? Because I don't want to get lost, you know, in, in a conversation that says, oh, well, can you just show us this real quick? Or can you show us that real quick? So I ask them very specific questions. So I'll throw out some examples for you guys. So purchasing an AP manager, I will go into that module and I will say, all right, let's take a look at your master requirements tab. And I can tell by the number of items that are out there if they're using the power of purchasing or if they're not using the power of purchasing. And then I'll ask some very direct questions on that. How's your purchasing coming along? Are you utilizing this at all? Do you use inventory? And then I get answers from people and I just constantly write my notes down 
to figure out, well, maybe they're going to need an hour for this. Maybe they'll need an hour for that. So I go through each of my modules. I go through purchasing an AP manager. I go through accounts receivable, employee manager, catalog manager, time card manager, payroll bank manager. So I have a lot of stuff to cover and it's usually only an hour long session, but I can gather a lot of information in that one hour with them to try and figure out what they're struggling with, what they might need help with. And we look at CX as well. So that's kind of what I do on the accounting side of things. Yeah. Isn't it, isn't it cool, Wendy, like when you're in there, like under the hood and since, you know, we've done so many of these, um, and, and you more than I, uh, how fast you can pick up and saying like, Oh yeah, this is what we need to get fixed. This is what we need to get fixed. And just, it's kind of natural at this point, probably for you, right? Where you just see like there's some common threads across many people and they just like had the same kind of issues. Oh yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. And it just depends on how long they've been using the software. <clears throat> Excuse me. The people that have been using it for less than eight years, I've trained them on the accounting side of things. So if they're doing it under the hood, it's usually because they kind of stepped back after they went through the implementation and decided that they still wanted to kind of do some things outside of the system. And then they really realize this really isn't working for us. And we need to get back to what we were taught in the beginning. And then I have the other clients that have been using the software for like 15, 20 years. And some of the things that we use now might not have been available back then. So they're not even aware of the possibilities of all the things that they can do in the software. So yeah, it's pretty cool actually. Yeah. That's actually a pretty interesting point. Like um, there, there is a difference between people who are kind of recent, you know, within that five year implementation, like implemented within the last five, like you said, five to eight years. And then our clients who have been on since the beginning those both of those clients actually need optimization but but the older clients it seems like or the clients who've been around longer um they seem to have a more of a need for the optimizations because there's been so many updates to the software that many of them just haven't kept up with it right exactly so, yeah and that's yeah. pretty big process change but there's a lot of things that have made things easier over the over the years right lisa so like oh, for sure so yeah, it's, it's, we are always enhancing an improvement and improving, you know, different functions, changing things up. And our goal and the goal of development is to always make things, you know, easier to simplify things and make things easier. So that's, that's always the goal. And we try, you know, reading, updating is so important. I say that all the time, you know, keeping up with the asset updates when those come out, reading the change log, uh, that, comes with it that it's the what's new in and if you don't keep up with it you can go back and see all the what's new in for every um, update is is in the help file and the asset help file so that you know that points out highlights new things and links to the documentation for it um, a lot of times if there's videos for it um, we'll um, have those links in the help file also. And also we're really striving to do better, um, with our communications with our clients, sending out like the tips and techniques, you know, when we post a new video, um, releasing that, um, sending that out 
to people sending out a, like a little newsletter type thing, um, just keeping people informed of what's going on with us and what's new in the, in, in the software. Um, also ch- keep an eye out for, um, we try, when you send in a ticket, we, if there's new things, new video posted blogs, um, we try to change up the signature on the ticket. So if you kind of pay attention to that, then that kind of keeps you in touch with what's going on too. And that'll let you know, you know, if we've posted a hot, um, an update um, and maybe you don't get the update notices, then that, that can tell you what's going on there. But yeah, we're always adding new things and people, you know, people do fall behind and, and that's where these optimizations come in you know, so helpful for people who have been on the system for a while. But so Miles, is your process kind of the same when you do an under the hood um, for the production track? Yeah, usually, usually the way I'll start off with the production optimization is first say, how are you getting your proposals into the system? Right. And, mm-hmm. and if they're not using, if they're not using from CX, you know, the proposal job and attaching it to current people in CX or current clients or creating new leads that way. Uh, that's usually the first thing I'll be like, okay, here's, um, <laughs> construction. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, uh, here's uh, working from home. And, uh, so anyway, so I'll start off, say like, say here's CX, you know, are you guys going from CX to proposal manager in the first step? And then from there, usually if they're not doing that and using the communication log, um, that'll be my first tick off saying like, okay, there's a way that we can improve sales on the sales management side here. And then my next step is to go into proposal manager, go through proposal manager. And really the key things that I'm looking at here are, um, how they're classifying their project descriptions and their names, mm-hmm. whether they're using uh, the sales goal type column, cause that's brand new for this year. Uh, because that's relevant for IKPI, but it's always worth it for people who are aren't who are not using IKPI to use that column just in case if they get on, so they can get some access to history, uh, or else it's just another way to filter out their grid, um, which is pretty handy. So that's a that's one thing that I'm looking at. The other thing is looking at sales cycles. So if they have the appropriate amount of sales cycles, and if they're sales cycling through things properly. That's that's another thing. And then as well, if they're using templates, right? So a big a big thing is like, do you have your proper pricing set up for your templates? Do you have the right groups? And you know, Wendy does a lot of training in catalog manager, but also in catalog manager, there's assemblies, right? And if people aren't using assemblies in proposal manager, that might be something that might we might be able to pick up and say, hey, we can make your life a little bit easier on the estimating side. Um, especially for things that require like square foot takeoffs and um, things like that, where you have material and labor that just scales up with the amount of area that's needed. So then, then from there, we'll sales cycle through things. So make sure, Hey, are we working and using sales appropriately? And then we'll go to send to production. Can I ask a question interrupt Miles? So you, yeah, I mean, sales cycles is very important. It's key. Uh, field to have. So you said have the right number of sales cycles. So what, what would that look like? What do you, you know, what do you usually recommend or what, what's key for that? Um, I, I, it's personalized for every company. So 
Some companies have a really simple sales process. So you only need the defaults that are in there uh, that come with proposal manager, which essentially is goes from zero, like on a signed lead to nine, which is sent to production. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then you have like dead and all those in there. So sometimes people just are able to stick with that, but usually there's review processes, you know, so an estimate will get bid and then it'll get sent and then it'll get reviewed by maybe a boss or a manager and then it'll get sent back. So like those, those are sales cycles that can get added in that can help people filter out the appropriate data and report, report off of like how much is in each category, right? Because essentially the sales cycle is just a bucket on how to categorize your sales. So like how much, how much potential sales do I have in this bucket? or sales that I've lost in like the dead bucket, for instance. So it's really, it's really customized per, mm-hmm. per organization, but generally the defaults in there are good. One, one that I'll usually add in there is like, uh, if there's a person who does SDP and Monday, I know like you did that right before you came for include, mm-hmm. right? You, you, yep. you sent to production all the time. All the time. So like, usually it's good that someone, like one or two people in an organization do that because it right. keeps things really narrow right but it's also helpful to have a sales cycle so that person can just like log in see what needs to be sent to production just filter for that and then just send all those to production um and then if not something's not sent to production the sales person needs to change that right but they're like oh you missed it so (laughs) we'll get it tomorrow or whenever you stp right so i don't know that's that's probably a good question for you wendy it's like how how did that sent to production process work with a dedicated person and what was, what's the easiest way to do that? Because I know that that's, that varies across all our clients. Everyone does it differently. So. Yeah. I mean, for me, this is, this is a long time ago when I actually worked for a landscape design company before I came to work for include, but we were still, you know, having paper proposals. So the salespeople would print their proposals, get them signed off on by the client. And then they would end up in my inbox to send through to production when they were ready to roll. So in the springtime, anywhere between, you know, February and April, I'd send probably through to production about 2000 contracts on top of everything else with the accounting and all of that fun stuff. So everything had to be in there ready to go. I was the only one that did it um, at the time. And um, it, it actually flowed really smoothly. One of my things when I teach people, um, in implementation before that I hand them off to you, Miles, as I always like to talk about that send to production and how they're going to learn it. And I always stress having the accounting people in on all of those training sessions. Also, that usually it is an accounting person that is doing the send to production only because it has far reaching capabilities in the software and it all circles back around to accounting, meaning you want that information in there to be not sloppy, you want it in there 100% correct all the time. So when people are, if they're gonna do a DIY under the hood assessment on their own, I think one of the key points, and you probably see this a lot too, Miles, is how many spreadsheets are we using? Cause that should be a huge red flag. If you're you know, doing things on spreadsheets, like I did um, in under the hood with a client um, just last week, and they're not using the power of purchasing. They're using spreadsheets. And the exact data that's on the spreadsheets is exactly the same data 
that's in the requirements and purchasing an AP manager. So they're doing extra work when it's all right there. So I'm going to be teaching them how to do that, which is fantastic. That is a really good point, Wendy. That's awesome. Is, is there, because you, you mentioned, so purchasing an AP, that, that is that a big area where people, you see the need for improvement? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And it's exciting because that's one of my favorite things. to teach. And I always tell them that I'm like, that's one of my favorite things, you know, to teach people is the power of purchasing because if it's there and it's all linked up, it's all hooked up and you utilize it. Oh my gosh, you're going to get so much out of it. Exactly. And then you can get rid of the spreadsheets on top of it. But yeah, that's one of the things I see that people aren't using to the fullest capability is definitely the power of purchasing and purchasing an AP manager. Is there anything, any other modules that you go on that's, you know, you hone in on um, that might be an easy indicator for someone to take a look at and any of the other? Yeah, I think sometimes people might struggle with, um, I go through job manager to ask them, you know, are you pulling reports? And I either get a resounding yes or a eh, kind of sort of. And that's like an indicator to me, hey, let's do maybe half an hour, 45 minute session on that and get you rolling on that. So questions you can ask yourself, are we utilizing the reports in job manager? Are we using our PL in there? Are we using anything under our job list and summary? Do we know how to set appropriate filters? Um, you know, what's all, what are these reports about? How do we read them? All that fun stuff. So that's like a self-assessment. You can do a self-assessment for bank manager. Are you actually doing your reconciliations in there? Because if you're not, where are you doing them? Probably on a spreadsheet and they should be done in actual bank manager because all the data is right there. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's kind of, that's kind of how I do it. I just go in and, and I just ask very specific questions. Payroll manager, you process payroll in-house. Okay, great. You know how to run the reports. Do you clear your tax accruals from payroll manager? And they'll say, well, what does that mean? Well, that tells me right there, they don't know how to do that. And that actually has not been around that long, right, Lisa? That's been around for what, right. five, six years? Yeah, about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so people that have been using the software for longer than 10 years, the ones that we get a hold of to do the under the hoods, 80% of them don't know about that. Interesting. And then they're like excited. They're like, oh my God, I can do it through here. And I was like, yes, you can. And I'll show them how to do that when we do the optimization. So yeah, there's lots of things. And to do an under the hood assessment by yourself, I would think that maybe just kind of looking at the videos we have in Wistia, because they're all categorized by module. Don't you think that's a good idea for them to look at and say, oh, look, AR, there's a video for batch billing. Well, we don't know what batch billing is. They can, you know what I mean? They can DIY that and say, all right, maybe that's something that we want to learn how to do. Exactly. Or even if they're using it, it, watch the video and say, am I using it the right way? Am I is using there it a better? Right. Yep. That yep. is an excellent suggestion. And I think too, is you get in a rut and you just, you know, do your routine and you don't, you know, sometimes you just don't even see things. So just taking that step back. And like I said, now is really a good opportunity for that because we've all kind of been, you know, shaken a little bit um, to just take a step back and look at and think about, you know, what you're doing, why you're doing it and, mm -hmm. and using the tools that you have, mm -hmm. you know, to, to their 
best ability to work their best for you. Yeah. And usually like Bundy said, we can accomplish all this stuff in like an hour, right? So it's not even mm-hmm. like that serious of a time commitment mm-hmm. on the front end uh, to take a look at, you know, what's going on. So it might take someone a little bit longer if they're doing it themselves because um, they have to go back and watch the videos and stuff. But that's what we're here for, right? To help make those recommendations and 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 do that. Uh, the other things, I think you made a great point, Wendy, about the reporting side. It's like, yeah, are you pulling reports? Because sometimes, you're, yeah, there's a lot of reports in there that people don't know about. I and mean, with IKPI, it kind of changes the game a lot. So right. even more so. But the reports are still really good in asset. Uh, and on the production end, it's the same thing, right? It's like, are you pulling your sales pipeline report and proposal manager? Or are you mm-hmm. are you doing the right reporting for production out of schedule manager see, to see your your budget versus your actual? So, oh, and that's another thing that in the under hood for schedule manager stuff, it's like, are you using sequencing? Are you, but if, unless if you have like date sensitive stuff or using the due date and the next date fields mm-hmm. and auto updating stuff like on, um, within schedule manager. So that's, that's also another thing that I'll look at in, uh, in schedule manager. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah. Really good point. Mm-hmm. Another thing that occurred to me when you guys were talking is that, um, just doing some housekeeping. So cleaning up the data that's there too, you know, are jobs close? Are you, you keeping up with closing jobs? Because that has, you know, probably one of the biggest impacts um, in the system because it takes um, the requirements out of um, purchasing. It takes the tasks out of schedule manager and then it clears out the budgets and job manager. So, um, you know, that keeping up with closing jobs and looking what's out there, there's a mass closed jobs function that can assist you in doing that. But, you know, doing that kind of cleanup, uh, payroll batches, um, contacts and CX going through those, um, you know, deleting duplicates or, you know, just evaluating everything and doing that kind of housekeeping yep. can also be super helpful. Yep. One day. Old open POs <laughs> that oh, they're hanging go. out there for like three years <laughs> that somebody just forgot about it or they didn't realize it was there. And then they put another PO in. So then you've just got all these open POs that, nothing's ever been done on. And those are easy. That's just, you know, deleting them. I used to actually go through and wipe that once a month. Mm-hmm. And that was, I just talked to the managers and say, Hey, you got this open PO. What are you, what are you doing with it? Are we, are we buying this stuff? I've not received an invoice or anything and, you know, get my answer back. That'll tell me, yes, get rid of it or no, still keep it in there. We're going to be ordering it. And then I would just go through and delete the ones that we didn't need. But that's what kept my AP clean because I ran a pretty tight ship. I want all that stuff organized in there. But then you always know where you're at all the time. And it makes everybody's life so much easier. There's no questions. There's no running around the block trying to figure out who's doing what and why they did it. Yeah. And those things add up after a while. It's like deep archiving and archiving proposals and proposal manager, right? Mm -hmm. It's the same, same thing. Like if you are not doing that, you're going to have this like gigantic proposal list. That's just so much mm-hmm. to handle. So that's a, that's a great thing. Maybe it's like a, like a normal task that happens once a month or, mm-hmm. you know, once, once a quarter, you know, get in there, mm-hmm. clean it up, archive it. And it's easy in proposal mm-hmm. manager to archive all the visible jobs. So you set your appropriate filters, bada boom, mm-hmm. bada bing and put them away. So you get performance improvements and 
it keeps you all focused on what's present. Mm-hmm. Well, and what's the rule of thumb with that, right? Once you've sent it through to production, what good is it doing you sitting there? It's like posted payroll batches from last year. Why are they still in time card manager? There's no reason for them to still be there. Get rid of them. Yeah. The only things that I'll, 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 I'll teach people the, the way that I think about it is to keep incentive to production because it's considered sold work. So a lot of people track their salespeople sales through proposal manager, right? So um, they'll have a sales cycle called sold maybe, and then sent to production. So adding those two up kind of gives you a good picture of where that salesperson is at in sales. Mm-hmm. And uh, so usually for me, it's a, like, let's just keep the sent to production for this year. Right. And then maybe last year's stuff you can archive or less. If you want to keep last year's stuff, if you want to do like a year over year comparison, mm-hmm. that's, I think that's, that's kosher too. Lisa, you might have a different idea. But well, just with archive, I mean, in archiving closing jobs, the safety net there is that you can um, reopen closed jobs. You can unarchive an archive project. And even if you send it to deep archive, it can be brought back. So you, you can always keep it there. And I think if you do um, just a regular archive, it'll keep it in the grid and you would just have the to check the box to or uncheck the box, whatever, so that the ar- archive uh, projects are visible. Yeah, too. that's right. Um, mm-hmm. um, but it'll keep you out, out of your immediate view unless you want to do some of that other reporting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, jobs, I always recommend getting rid of them, you know, closing them, construction jobs. I'm not talking maintenance unless the person moved out of state or something and they're no longer a client of yours. But once the job is done, build out, payrolls are posted, you can close it whenever you want. And at the end of the year for construction is probably, you know, a good idea. And um, you can still collect money on those, even if the job is closed. And that's one of the big questions I get all the time. Well, if I close it and they pay me, what do I do? Well, the closing of the job in group doesn't have any effect on what's already out there invoiced in in AR. So they can still collect monies on it and all of that fun stuff. And then if they ever want to run reports on it, all they got to do is uncheck their hide closed and job manager to bring them back visible again, preset your filters, whatever it is you're looking for, and then you can run reports off of them. So. Learn something new today. Exactly. <laughs> yep. That's awesome. Huh. New every day. There you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, no, that's that. That's cool. I really like the optimization process because it's different than the imp- implementation process where you're starting off with like nothing. Mm-hmm. But sometimes, yeah, you know. So it's like nice to see there's something there. And it's what's really nice is like. When you get people that are like, oh yeah, we do this, this, and this. You're like, yes, that's perfect. That's exactly what you need to do. <laughs> oh yeah, exactly. I love it's that like, too. I'm like, you guys are rocking and rolling on this. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. And some of our clients, they they do. They utilize it to the fullest extent of the law, for lack of better terms. And it, it's like, I get on the phone with some of these people that I might not have talked to for like six months or a year. And they're like, yeah, we use this, this, the, everything you taught us we're using. And that always makes me super happy because I don't ever want to hear anybody regress going back to spreadsheets. And then that frustration comes out because now mm-hmm. they're doubling up and they're doing all these things and um, they don't need to do that. So totally. I think, Wendy, I think that was the most important takeaway from this. If you only take away one thing. Um, your point about if you're using a spreadsheet, if you're using Excel for something, really take a hard look at that and and figure out it's m- more likely than not 
you can do it in asset. Exactly. And, um, and if you need help with that, evaluating it, assessing it, and you just contact contact us, team at include.com, and you know, we can give you some direction. Even if it's not, you know, full optimization, we can, you know, take a look at it and and point you to, you know, documentation in the help file or videos or, you know, offer some suggestions that that way through support. Or yep. maybe it, you know, maybe it is opportunity to really, if you're using a lot of spreadsheets, um, a, a more in-depth um, under the hood and optimization review. So mm-hmm. I had a question uh, for you, Wendy, on, on the accounting side for optimization. Are you looking at the chart of accounts info and, and if people want to do and track revenue for specific um specific service lines. So, you know, sometimes people break out their services in like the invoice detail, but mm-hmm. they'll all, they'll sign it to like just one revenue account. Right. But say if they want to report all, like those are different re- revenue centers. Do you ever go through like the chart of accounts saying like, Hey, or is it a good idea? At least I should ask, is it a good idea to do that? Do that or is it not? Um, well, you know, any of the new implementations that we do and that, I've had a hand in in the last eight years. We don't usually recommend having an individual income sales slash revenue. They all mean the same thing, right? Different terminology for all these different things that they do. Um, It it all kind of comes down to the company itself because most of these companies have their profit centers and their profit centers make enough sense, meaning if they have a profit center for construction and then they have one for maintenance, do they need to have an income account called, you know, revenue, maintenance, revenue, construction? No, they don't. Um, Sometimes they want that very specific reporting on the income statement. I don't typically go into the chart of accounts with people when I do an under the hood. Number one, I don't have time. And number two, I ask them, you know, how are things going in GL manager? Do you have questions on the chart of accounts? Are you guys okay with running your financials? You know, I'll ask the basic questions only if they want to go into it while I go into it with them. But I find that if you have too many of these revenue accounts, that's when things start to get sloppy and things start to fall by the wayside because you can only have one revenue account per job and group and job manager. And that has to be micromanaged then if you have more than one or two income accounts. And most of the reporting is done, what, off your profit centers. And they don't need to see, oh, well, how much did we have for revenue for mulch? They don't usually want to see that. And if they do, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just, I always tell people, the more you have, the more you have to manage, just like the materials. If you mm-hmm. have your cost of goods materials and you're breaking that out by every little thing under the sun you can think of, right? Hard goods versus green goods, and then maybe salt, and then maybe irrigation parts. You have to manage all of that on every single catalog item in Catalog Manager. And then I think that just increases the chance for, you know, mispostings to happen where people make mm-hmm. mistakes and they didn't put the right GL the on there. Account. Yeah. And then they're doing journal entries to fix everything. And that's costing somebody else more time to do something. So yeah. I mean, I, I like the fact that we have profit centers. That's inclusive to us. Nobody else mm-hmm. has that. And that's what allows us to shorten up and compact their chart of accounts, but they still get everything that they want out of it. 
Yeah, that's a that's a that's a great point. I was I was just curious because I know that's always a debate, um, and you settled it with authority. Yeah, yeah. well, that and, <laughs> yeah, that's also, one of the best things about asset is you know the the well the rock solid accounting, so it's gap compliant, but it also has such a streamlined chart of accounts. Very streamlined. But your reporting is everything that you need. Exactly everything. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I also wanted yeah. to hop on what you said about if you want to report on revenue per mulch, you can do that if you're using schedule manager appropriately, right? Through proposal exactly. manager, but through value of work, right? So you can mm-hmm. report off value of work for those tasks and mm-hmm. um and and do it that way for uh for labor, right? So and but there's some there's some reporting that you obviously you can get that per service type and task type, but you know, out of asset as well. So Mm-hmm. Um, but that's that's really insightful. Thanks for that. You're welcome. <laughs> and so, and any other uh, parting words of wisdom? We're coming up on our time flies. It flies when we're having fun. So, um, any other um, parting tips or words of wisdom for? I think I think just to summarize for me, like the high the highlights for if you're going to do it under the hood by yourself or for your company, the highlights for me on the production end is like, are you using proposal job at a CX to get your proposals in? And are you attaching them to your people and using communication log to log those, to log those, um, those, those transactions. So that way you can track, you know, what's going on for sales activity. And then do you have enough sales cycle and are your sales cycles in order? So does zero to 100 just saying, right? This is that, is that your step-by-step process, right? You don't want your sales cycles to be like one, two, three, but in reality, three becomes, goes before two, right? I don't know Mm -hmm. if that makes sense, but like essentially, Mm -hmm. you know, it should be step, you know, step one, sales cycle one is your first step in your sales cycle, right? Like a lead, right? And then estimate, et cetera, et cetera. Then your final should be sent to production then not even on the bottom of that it should may, maybe put you know dead dead lead or something like that um mm-hmm. and then from there send to production you know kind of what we talked about just make sure that sent to production is uh you're you're setting the appropriate profit center you're keeping those group descriptions clean and uh, and and they're consistent across the board mm-hmm. and especially for maintenance for maintenance jobs um and then in schedule manager, if you're using it, use advanced view and then sequencing, make sure, make sure that you're sequencing. And if you have date sensitive stuff using like next date and due date, that's, those are, those are pretty much the highlights. And then there's a lot in the reporting in there, but um, I don't know, that's, that's what I'm thinking that that'd be the biggest takeaway. You know, it's pretty simple. It's a mm-hmm. pretty simple uh, high level things, but there's a lot in depth that we can definitely help out more and have those conversations. Oh, yeah, definitely. And I think on the accounting side of things, too, just communicate with your people. So maybe you're the only accounting person in your office. Well, great, then you should be able to communicate with yourself and ask yourself those questions. But a lot of the companies that we work with have more than one accounting person. So maybe you're the controller or the CFO and you have somebody that is dedicated to doing AP. Sit down with them, talk to them ask them how things are going. Are they frustrated? Do they seem like they're 
you know, pulling their hair out all the time and they're all over the place with purchasing and, and nobody seems to know what's going on or are they running that like a tight, you know, a, a real bam, we're on it. You know, we're doing every time something goes through to production, it ends up in requirements. And when I need to order it, we put in the POs and we, we tag those items. Is that running smoothly? And I think if you communicate with your people, you're going to understand a little bit more because sometimes people aren't always going to be forthcoming with that information. They might just say, oh, well, this is how it's got to be. I got to deal with this. Oh, God, I got another spreadsheet. And they're just not communicating that. So communication is key when it, when it comes down to figuring out, are these systems working? Are we doing everything we can to get the most out of asset software? Agreed. Mm -hmm. And I think just my, my final takeaway is change is good. And change there's good. always opportunity to improve anything that you do in, mm -hmm. in asset and, you know, in your business, in your personal life, always room for improvement and just take a step back and look at things a little bit more objectively. Yep. Don't be afraid to learn something new because we learn things new all the time. Every single day. And it's our software. Yes. <laughs> and we work in it all day long. And we work in it all day long and I'm new. still learning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> our jobs yep. are so great. That's right. <laughs> So, so if you have um, a question about our optimization program, if you want more information on that, you, you know where to get us, teamandinclude.com. Also, if you have any questions about anything that we've talked about today, don't hesitate to let us know. And always um, your feedback. We would truly appreciate any feedback that you have on, a, on this podcast or any of our others and things that you know, suggestions for topics in the future, things you want to hear us talk about. And also if you would like to join us, we always are looking for volunteers for guests. So please reach out to us, team at include.com. You know where to find us. Team Indeed. at include.com. Team at include.com. For sure. It's just beautiful. It is. <laughs> <laughs> we, should get it. we should get tattoos. Team uh, no. <laughs> With the include logo. <laughs> where'd that go where'd that go like like right below like my like my my neck like right across yeah. my chest Team i was thinking forehead but forehead forehead yeah mm. yeah. yeah i'll take a pass on that <laughs> well we'll roll in we'll roll in i collaborate you know the user conference <laughs> no we'll premiere them there check so that's the, another <laughs> check out the new ink check out the new ink that's right. So that, but that's another good point. I collaborate. Um, early bird registration is on. That's in September. Um, you should be receiving emails about it. But if not, if you need information, just reach out to us and we'll provide you that as well. That's right. Excellent. Yeah. So I think. Is that a wrap? We'll wrap this one up. Again, I we appreciate so. you listening. Um, uh, we'll welcome your comments. And um, we will be back very soon. We'll be talking to you real soon. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, guys. This was a good one. Thanks, you guys. Yes, thank you. We'll see you later. Bye. Bye.